you are approved by God. You are approved by God. Amen. I understand that sometimes when I go through this kind of this series, uh, sometimes when you say part five, part six, part seven, part eight, you're like, oh Lord, where are we going to get there? Right. So I decided to start uh, slotting in, in one or two themes to kind of um, help you to help your mind to focus it around my major verse. Even though sometimes it's a bit tricky, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, what I share with you, uh, sometimes I want to cover as many verses as possible, but by, by uh, the Holy Spirit sometimes um, make us kind of you know, uh, focus and emphasize on a particular verse. But I do know that I'll be able to share with every one of us this morning, you know, on that uh, particular focus uh, of that you are approved by God. Praise the Lord. So let's, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 and we'll, we'll continue from verse 11. Ephesians 1, 11. Ephesians 1, 11. So my Bible text will be taken from the New King James Version. If I would, if I would uh, reference another translation, I would inform you. Let's get into it. Now, verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 1 reads, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let's take it again. In him also, talking about Christ Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. If I will rephrase that verse, I will say, in Christ Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance because we are predestined according to God's purpose. You know, uh, who does things according to the counsel of his will as it proposed in his heart. When the Bible states, Things like words like according to the counsel of his will. The, the Bible is telling you that God did those things or God is doing that thing out of his own free will. No one coerced him or tried or twisted his arm by fasting and praying. You hear things like, you know, I, I, you, this is not me. I didn't do it and I don't do it. But you hear people say things like, I cried unto the Lord and he heard my cry. And he answered me and he gave me a baby. That's not true. That's not correct, respectfully. Because I know that the, the things that people sought the Lord for sometimes are quite sensitive. Say, for instance, someone has been believing God for 13 years to have a child, right? And they went through this spell. Uh, yeah, I used, I used the word spell. They went through, through the spell of crying and wailing so that God can hear their cry. It bothers me a little bit because. The unsaved person who has abundance of children is not crying and willing unto the Lord. So can I tell you that if you're trusting God or you know anyone who is believing God for a child, they don't need to cry and will. They only need to realize that they are blessed human beings by God with the ability to procreate. So if they are not procreating, if they are not able to have a child, one of two things. There could be some demonic situation in place where we need to... Um, blocking them from receiving which we need to uh gather together you know come together you know, agree with them in prayer to wait to stand against the forces of darkness hindering their fertility and the other side is that which is the second thing is that it could be a health challenge 
right? And most of the cases, it is health challenge. So I'm saying to you authoritatively that God is not behind the reason why some people don't have a child. God is not the reason for anybody's infertility, regardless of what you have read in the Old Testament. God is not stooping and is not a mad father that will be kind to the unsaved, enabling them to have children, and his own children, believers, Christian, he will withhold the ability to conceive. No, it's not right. So whenever you see in the Bible, God does this thing according to, the, according to the counsel of his will, like we have it in Genesis, even though the Bible did not state it that way, the Bible says he blessed human beings with the ability to procreate. And it was according to the according to the counsel of his will. He even gave animals the ability to procreate. So if God gave animals ability to procreate, so why do we think we are less valuable to God or less significant or important to God such that God will then, you know, God will mark you because he's hungry at you, he has some grudges against you, and it will, it will, it will, it will, it will prevent you from procreating. That is not true. That is not right. I know there are a lot of um, child having child rearing ministry. They say their ministry is to help people raise a child to be able to conceive and things like that. And I'm not attacking anyone. I'm not calling anyone out. You know, I don't know whatever anybody's calling is. Some people may be called to you know to into that kind of ministry to to help people stand in faith to receive. You know, and many many of those kind of ministries have been destroyed. And I saw manner of things. And sometimes when people don't receive child from through that ministry they go to other channels too and we just invite and allow demons into our lives carelessly this is a word for someone i've not started my message yet so when god blesses his people right it's according to the counsel of his will according to his purpose amen so when we say inheritance here what is an inheritance verse 11 of ephesians chapter 1 what is an inheritance now, an inheritance is a possession of the her. Her, uh, spelled H-E-I-R. H-E-I-R. It is based on family ties and not on self-effort. <laughs> Let's connect it with, the, with that verse of the scripture. So, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ Jesus, you have obtained an inheritance. Right? Uh, and it said, and uh, being predestined, blah, blah, blah. Now, we have obtained, not we will obtain. It is, it is written in the past tense. So the Bible says we have, we have what? We have obtained an inheritance. Right? And we say an inheritance is a possession of a heir. Of a heir. And the Bible makes us understand that Jesus is the heir of God. Oh, okay, who is an heir? Uh, let me see if I can get... Um, so now, the dictionary defines an heir as someone or a person legally entitled to the property of a person. No, uh, let me give you the full definition. An heir is a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death. A person legally entitled to the property or the rank of another on that person's death. So I don't want to focus on the rank. I want to focus on the belongings, the possession of somebody of somebody else. So the Bible says that, <clears throat> according to Romans chapter eight verse 8, seventeen, <clears throat> excuse me, that we are joined heirs with Christ. So which means we have equal rights, legal equal right and access to the blessings of God in Christ Jesus. 
I repeat that. We are joint heirs with Christ. A heir is a person who is legally entitled to everything a person has after his death, but in, this, in, in the context of, of Christianity, God is not dying, God is going nowhere. God has, you know, made, we, we, we read last week that God's plan is after at the end of the dispensation of grace, when the fullness of time comes, when the millennium comes, that is going to make Jesus Lord over all things in heaven and on earth. So what that means is this. You have equal right and access to be co heir with Christ Jesus. So you will reign forever with Jesus. So the Bible is saying to us that continue from the previous verses we've covered that you and I have equal right and access to the blessings of God in Christ Jesus. So you are not a second class citizen. It's one of the reasons why sorry. It's one of the reasons why I strongly kick against this attitude whereby many Christians elevate themselves and make and make other Christians feel inferior to themselves. So if you're watching or listening to me today and you feel inferior to your pastor, to other Christians, to anyone, right? I'm saying to you that you are not inferior. What I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying you and your pastor occupy the same position of responsibility. So you got to respect your pastor and honor your pastor. Am I very clear? You got to respect and honor your pastor. If I'll use the colloquial language of my where I come from as a Nigerian, I say your pastor is not your mate. I repeat, your pastor is not your mate. Your pastor is not your friend. Your best buddy. Every pastor who's, who in their right man know what they are called to do. They, ensure, they must ensure they are approachable. People can ask them questions. They don't control or manipulate people. Nevertheless, members of the church family need to understand their space and be mindful of how they treat their pastor. Because a pastor you don't respect, you don't honor, you can't receive from them. And there are spiritual implications around the interaction of a member of a church family, uh, spiritual implication as to how a member of a church family, you know, relate to their pastor, rather disrespectfully or respectfully. I'm saying to you, if you're a part of a local church where you know that the man of God there is not walking according to the counsel of God's will, get out of the place. Don't be rude, disrespectful, or try to uh, usurp his authority. You are opening yourself to demonic forces because you'll be walking in a rebellion. You are becoming someone you're not supposed to be. So don't be surprised when demons begin to manipulate you and you find yourself in one problem or the other. Unfortunately, many pastors have termed the implication, this kind of, implica- this kind of implication whereby a, a, a member of a church family is rude to their pastors, disrespected to their pastor. So when such people begin to experience demonic attacks, some pastors have, have used that as an opportunity opportunity to put himself in a position whereby everybody must be afraid of them is not right. I am bringing balance to you. You don't, you don't disrespect the spiritual authority over you. They must not control you, neither must you manipulate, control, be disrespectful and, and mistreat them. Devils, will, devils and demons will beat the hell out of you. No, they will beat the hell, they will beat hell inside you. So when you see some past some church members will, that is one problem after another problem, one problem after another problem, 
Some of them, you got to check. How are they treating people? How are they treating the, author the spiritual authority over their life? I'm still balancing this that no pastor has the right to control, poke other people or people entrusted to them or poke nose into their affair. So if you think you are in the wrong place, get out of that place. Trying to stand against that man or that woman, you put yourself in a problem. Praise God. So an heir is a person legally entitled to the property of somebody else. So I was trying to, while I, before I got into, the, uh, before I had that word of knowledge for someone there, when I say word of knowledge, a word from the Lord uh, to someone through me, right? Based on what you are going through right now, right? Or whatever you're doing. So that's what the word of knowledge means there. So before that word came to us, I was trying to say that if God has treated you and elevated you to a position whereby you have equal access and right with Jesus to his blessings, you should not be made to feel inferior or be, uh, be, be made to feel inferior in any Christian setting. You are not inferior to God. You are not inferior to Jesus. You are a child of God, accepted by God, loved by God. Amen. So the Bible tells us there that in him we, also, we, have, we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained. There's a blessing. Right? Being uh, predestined according to the purpose of his will, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Amen. Now, the inheritance we're talking about here, there's, there's so much inside of it. We have the Holy Spirit, which was promised to us. Now, we're sealed with, with the Holy Spirit of promise. I will get there in verse 13. You know, the Bible says that we are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places at the right-hand side of God, a place of authority. So there's so many things that we have inherited. There's so many blessings of God that we've inherited, you know, through Christ Jesus, according to the counsel of God's will. Amen. One second, something that's trying to come to mind. Right, let's carry on. So, uh, still talking about the inheritance. Now, in the, the fullness of inheritance, we are not seeing it yet, and we can't see everything yet. But when the dispensation of grace ends, and when the fullness of time comes, according to the Bible, right, we begin to we will enter into the full inheritance of God. So, if life may be challenging, life may sound meaningless sometimes, so to say, depending on the company you keep how you think, how you were raised, circumstances in your life. But your eternity is not meaningless, it's not hopeless. Because the Bible promises us, the Bible tells us of something we have received, which we will receive when the time, end of time comes. Amen. When we, have, when, we, when we have taken off this decaying body, this body corrupted by sin, and received a new body, enter the new millennium, receive a resurrected body, become like Christ Jesus, look like him, and reign forever with him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ Jesus, so this is part of the inheritance, that we who first trusted in Christ Jesus should be to the praise of his glory. Let me read it together. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of his will, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now, uh, Amplified Version, the Amplified Bible, reads it this way. So that we who first hoped in Christ, right? Uh, I'm trying to skip the bracket. Where did it stop? Okay, I'll read it through. 
So that we who, that we who first hoped in Christ, who, put, who first put our confidence in him, have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. Even though here the Bible is referring to the Jews specifically because they were the first to trust in Christ Jesus. right? But also there is an inheritance for each and every one of us. When we get to chapter 2, I'm going to show us a few things uh, that, that confirms this. So every one of us who have, been, who have come into Christ Jesus, right? the Bible says that part of... No, God wants us to live for his praise. God, God wants us to experience his fullness to a degree whereby, you know, when people see us and our own personal experience, our life brings praises to him. So we have to live for the pray, for to bring praise. Sorry, I think I'm mixing up a few translations here. I'll take that verse 12 again. So that's we, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Amen. When you're working with a few translations, it'll be challenging here. Now, I have a note. I have a point. I said, God is working all things together so that the end result will bring praise to his glory. God is working all things together so that the end result will bring praise to his glory. And that is why no believer should try to live for their own glory. Your life, everything you have is a function of the grace and the kindness of God. There's nothing to boast about. Your brain, he gave you. Your brain function, he gave you. Your heart function, he gave you. Everything he gave you. I, I hear stories about self-made millionaires. You know, I, I know they may, have, they may have put in a lot of effort to learn how money works, how economic works, how a lot of things works. But the brain and the mind with which, they, with which they process that information was given to them by God. So if we trace everything that we have on earth and what we, who we are, every, the good, 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 everything is back to God, the giver of life. Amen. Verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Uh, I, I have another version here, I think. And you, okay, this, I will not use this. I think this is the NIV. Okay, Let, I'll repeat 13 in King James, and I'll repeat, and I'll uh, read out the NIV. But there's something I want to, I want to emphasize in the NIV, which is the reason why I, I, I quoted it here. So the Bible says in verse 13, that he in him you also trusted, talking about Jesus, after you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And NIV here says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Watch this. I said, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So let's do justice to this. So the Bible says, it says um, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. See, I love how the Bible many times, you know, in, you know <laughs> it explain itself. So if you're a good Bible reader, if you read your Bible carefully, not as a tick box exercise or as an obligation or to make you look or to make God accept you, whatever it is, whatever it, uh, reasons why people read their Bible, but if you read your Bible to really know God, to understand God, to be able to build a strong relationship with God, you'll be careful how you read the Bible and you will get a lot of value, benefits, life out of it. Amen. 
I had when I was on my way to I was traveling yesterday. And I think in the 35 minute space, I think I was just on one chapter. Oh, I think I was really emphasizing on one particular verse of the Bible. And I was just I was just going into it, digging into it, imagining what it looks like and stuff like that. I wasn't trying to read to cover uh, read my four chapters or five chapters a day. I just wanted to like kind of get into the Bible. And sometimes I just I'm just stuck on one, not stuck in a negative sense. I just I'm just stuck on one verse or two verses, and it just and I just roll over it on my mind. I roll my mind over it even for all through the day. And many times I get a lot of life out of two verses than I do when I read five chapters or four, four verses, four, four chapters. And that is why I don't allow yourself to be intimidated by people who say they read, they, they read the Bible cover to cover one million, a million times. I mean, it's not about how much you have covered, how much you have read, but the revelation understanding of the vital things, the word of God, uh, documenting the word of God, which is about the death, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ Jesus, his ascension, his current ministry, your position in him, who God has called you to be, and how you want you to know who you are called to be, and to do what he has called you to do. To know how about the fall of man, and see the, the journey all through how God was displaying his love for humanity, and how he came to restore humanity back to himself. Many people who have read the Bible cover to cover like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten times, many of them cannot summarize what, what is documented in the Bible. Like I've just given you a very high, high, high level of what the Bible is. And this is what we should be looking at in the Bible. And in the Bible, as we read through, we understand the character, the nature of God, how he deals with people in the dispensation of the, of the law and in the dispensation, dispensation of, the, of, of grace in Christ Jesus. So no matter how much you read in the Bible, if you, that is not a central focus in your heart as you go through the Bible, you're wasting your time. That's it. Praise God. So let's do this. Now, the word of truth, the Bible says here, in him you also trusted after you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. Now, is the word of truth not a word of lie? What brings bondage into people's life is lies. All manner of lies. Friends, be very careful the churches you attend, places you go to, what they tell you. Be very careful. If anything is not helping you get if any message does not help you get closer to god it's not the right it's not a good message for you every message every sermon that comes from a pastor a preacher apostle must focus on strengthening your heart helping you to love god more but if they are putting fear in you or making you to feel you are inadequate you cannot access god you need somebody to come in between you and god so that so that you can be blessed that is not the message of truth that is not the gospel of salvation the gospel of salvation is that you were once a sinner separated from god eternally by the by the fall of man by sin and in christ jesus god has reconciled you back to the father this is good news so when you believe that in christ jesus you have been reconciled, restored back to the Father. Your sins are forgiven. Your past, present, and future sin has been forgiven. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. God is not angry at you. God has, God has adopted you into his own family. And that in Christ Jesus, he has predesigned that you be his own child, loved by him. You know, and he sees you as a person who is holy and without blame. So when you believe that gospel of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation, of healing, of deliverance from the power and the dominion of sin. Colossians 1.13 says that he has delivered you from the power and the dominion of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of the Son of, of, the son of his love. So when you believe that gospel, which I've just summarized for you, right? The Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That God puts a stamp on you that you belong to him. So the, the, the message of truth is the one that strengthens your heart, that brings healing, deliverance to you. If you go to church or you attend any church meeting and after the meeting you are afraid of God, fear of terror, you have not heard the message of truth. And such places or such company are not what you should keep. When you hear things like heaven or hell, uh, heaven or hell, that is not the gospel of our salvation. So I know there are some monies flying, I had one this morning flying around. It, it's not my business. Your business, my business, is to focus on helping people to know what the gospel truth is. Friends, if you have not been able to actually start seeing yourself the way God sees you, what other pastors or prophets are seeing online about whatever they are talking about in your business? Because you have not even come to really discover your you, you are in Christ Jesus. How many people have you raised from the dead? How many sick have you healed? How many people have you given a word of comfort, of, of, a word of comfort, a word of healing? There's so much that is required of you as a believer, not from me, overwhelming sense, but as a child of God. Your, your job, my job, is to focus on becoming the people that God has called us to be. Jesus said he has, he has raised us. He called us light of the world. He has raised us to be light, a representative of him. Friends, we're not supposed to sit down on our couch and feed our mind on what is going on on TV. It's none of our business. I'm not saying you should not watch TV or watch your favorite movies and things like that. I'm just saying that you and I, our focus should be on becoming who God has called us to be. The partnerships we need to form, the relationships we need to broker, we need to, we need to build in order to become people of God who are on the mission to help the world know about the gospel of salvation. That's your business. That's my business. Now, because the dispensation we live in right now, okay, not dispensation now. Because the time we live in right now, the culture we live in right now is quite different from the culture of the Old Testament. We have a huge piece of work to do in translating the gospel message in a way that the people of this culture can understand it. And it's a very, very difficult. It is hard. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've just gone through some materials as to understanding the culture and my wife can tell you i was literally sick when i finished the <laughs> this is the 10th or the night or the 10th book on, on on which day was it a few weeks ago because i had to read three books in one day in one week it was it was grueling it was brutal because it has a lot of statistics and fact and data and things in it the books that i don't want to read but i have to read in order to understand the culture that we are in right now why did we shut down the church partially external operations many of you haven't seen any flyer or anything out there We've been thinking why. We've not been inviting people to TTC because I'm going through a process to really understand the culture. I want to ensure that by the time we go live, by the time we relaunch the church in, in 2024, so to say, I want to ensure that we are very relevant to the culture that we have been called to. Understand the culture and do things the way Jesus would have us do it. What I'm trying to say is that it takes a lot of hard work. There's a lot of hard work required on your part to be relevant in this culture, to help a lot of people to come to Christ. Then some people are saying nonsense on TV and things like that, and you're paying attention. There's so much worth and value on the inside of you that you need to discover. Friends, there's nothing in this world that can give you full fulfillment, satisfaction, fulfillment, except, okay, uh, how do I phrase this? The only thing that can give you 
real fulfillment and satisfaction in this life is when you give yourself to what you are designed to do, what you are wired to do. When you start using your potential in creative ways to carry out the assignment of God for your life. And if, it's, and if it is in this culture, this day and age we live in of technology and where there's TikTok, there's social media and all kinds of lies and schemes of the enemy around, we are in for a serious piece of work. Amen. So our business is to what? Is to share the gospel of truth, message of salvation, the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Now watch this. Can you real, did you realize there that what qualified you and I to be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise is not a sentimental message, is not a philosophical message, is a message of truth. If you want to help people to come to Christ Jesus, to become a member of the household of God, do you know what you do? Hear the message of truth and salvation. Do all of the work. Build relationship with them. To help them, not to win them to your church, but to be a witness for Christ. In this day and age, evangelism is much more challenging this day and age than it has ever been in the issue of mankind. Because of the failure of the failure of many Christian leaders, it has put a lot of people off church, Christianity, and a lot of disappointment and church hurt going as that's happening in church right now, manipulation and all kind of disgusting things happening in the Christian circle is putting a lot of people off church. Our conduct as believers, though we've been many of us have been Christians for many years, our conduct to a very much extent is bringing disrep- disrepute to the name of Jesus. And you and I are born in this age, in this time, in, in, in such a time as this, to do the work of Christ where there's so much challenge. Am I making any sense? So to be able to lead someone to Christ so that they can have a lasting relationship with him takes a huge amount of effort. Amen. And you and I are called to do that work. How would you get the message of truth to people so that they can be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, so that they can be stamped with the Holy Spirit of promise, so that they can belong to the Father? It's your duty. It's my duty. Don't worry, I've given, you, I've given that to you for free. Tell me wherever you have ever found that in, the, in, in our community. You know what I mean? Tell me in the last 20, 25 years. You've ever, t- show me 10 places in, in our African community that you've ever had what I shared with you in the past three minutes, in the past 25 years. Tell me. If you find 10, share them with me. Or if you find the messages, share them with me on social media. Because I tell you, I've been, I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and what I've just shared with you, I've never had it once anywhere in the black community. African community. I said I don't use the word black. Amen. So in case you wonder, so I get like expose myself a little bit there, showing you what's going on behind the scenes and why I'm not inviting people to TTC yet. Because I need to know how to do my job as a servant of God, as a pastor in this day, in this culture. And I tell you, it ain't a joke. And that's why you don't see me on social media laughing and smiling and things like that because I am busy. And I've not started yet. Praise the Lord. So, the gospel truth is not bad news. The gospel truth should not produce fear in people. Amen. There's, when you hear things like heaven or hell, it's not the gospel. Jesus said he came not to condemn the world, John three seventeen, but that the world through him might be saved. So it's nobody's business to frighten people so that they can make it to heaven at last. So that tells that a lot of people out there don't understand what the gospel is. And don't be like them. Don't keep company with them. And don't try to fight or to argue with them. Because the things of God are received by revelation. If a man's heart or a woman's heart is not open to receive from the Lord, it means their heart is hardened. 
No matter how much you shout or scream, they will never hear it. They will never receive it. So don't waste your time. Never try to force people to agree with the word of God. You are not the revelator. You are not the Holy Spirit. Who reveal things to people? If people's hearts are not open to receive, there's nothing you can do about it. Just is, to, just is to ensure that you explain the word of God with as much clarity as possible. Then it's the Holy Spirit for, for, for the people to open their heart, right? And to, allow, uh, to, to create a, an avenue or channel for the Holy Ghost to enlighten their eyes and understanding. So I don't want to ever hear in this church that somebody went arguing somewhere with someone. Really? We're going to have a conversation afterwards. Praise the Lord. So the ceiling. Now if we go to John chapter 14 verse 16, let's quickly go there. So John 14, 16, open it, leave it there, and I'll come to that um, shortly. Now watch this. Now the Greek word translated sealed, don't forget we, we, we're telling uh, verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I'll, let me take it again so that you, we, we have it in context. In him you also trusted after you had the word of truth, which is the gospel, the gospel of your salvation. It won't also have believed, talking about Christ Jesus, you were, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, sealing there, which is, this is the kind of the focus of this uh, uh, teaching today, my teaching today. Now, sealing there, the Greek word for, for the word, the Greek word for sealing is, uh, is called, uh, is spragizo. That's S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O. Spragizo, and it's translated stamp. What stamp? I'm trying to see if I, if I took another, um, if I have another translation here that actually, that actually uses the word stamp. Now, stamp, you're looking at to stamp with a signet ring or a private mark, to stamp, to seal, to endorse. So the Bible is saying to you here that. That ceiling on you is an endorsement by God that you belong to him. And, and a clear message for the enemy telling him to keep off. So if you have heard the word of truth, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, if you have believed in Christ Jesus, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And what that means is that you belong to God. So if you have followed or done what this Bible, what this um, verse says, just believe, you know. And you belong to God the Father. So how, why are you thinking hell? Hell, I don't understand. You belong to God, approved by God, endorsed by God. Saint Corinthians chapter 6, 16, he said it will be your God, it will be your people. You, you will be his people. You will walk among us. You will be our father. You will be everything. He's, not gonna leave, he's, he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. So if you belong to God, sealed and stamped by God, so how would you end up in eternal damn, damn, uh, damnation? How? It doesn't make any sense. And I know most of the time, we are looking at our human shortcomings and using this as a basis for a rejection from God. But let's go further in this journey. Now, when the Bible says sealed here, now I want you to look at your body. Look, whatever you have, look at your hands, your chest, your legs. Look, just look at yourself. Look at yourself. Can you see the Holy Spirit? No, can you see the Holy Spirit? Do you even know who, who he looks like? 
Can you see the Holy Spirit? So first of all, it means that that first of all, it means that that ceiling is not on your physical body. Okay. Do you think negative sometimes? Do you feel bad sometimes? Do you feel anxious or somehow depressed sometimes? Do you? Okay, if you do, then it tells us that the Holy Spirit is not in your feelings, it's not in your mind, which means it's not in your soul. Uh-huh. So the Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, so where is the Holy Spirit? Uh, keep start, start searching. Call 9911. Amen. So if the Holy Spirit is not on your body, it's not in your emotions, your feelings, your mind. Because some of you will have probably have thought about, Pastor, I don't like what you said. Congratulations. Right, while I was teaching. You know, because many people don't know how much they love their pastor. Haha. <laughs> Until the day your pastor speaks the word of God, the truth that hits that point of darkness in your heart that you don't like. That's when some of you will know whether you love your pastor or not. And trust me, I've been on this journey for three years. I've met all manner of people, all manner of crazy people. Amen. And that's trained me to, to, be, to be a general and an army that I am in Christ Jesus. Nobody will make me feel inferior again. If anybody wants to come attack me something, get better get ready. Because my mouth has been sharpened like the mouth of a ready writer. <laughs> my mouth has been sharpened in Christ Jesus. You bring the darkness, I give it back to you. And I'm not ashamed. I know this is online. This is, this is global. Bring your darkness, I give you light. Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, this is one of the reasons why I tell people, don't try to take money from the church. Don't try to receive salary from the church. Because the day God will give you a word for the people, one day they will just get offended like Jesus. Jesus, see, Jesus has shown us 5,000 men left him one day because he spoke the truth. He, he called, he, this, every pastor will go through it. You, you, would, you will preach the gospel one day and people will threaten to leave. Save journey. Bye-bye. God has shown me how to win souls, how to help people, how to lead people to him. And I'll start executing it from next year. Let everybody in TTC today pack their load and go. Next year we are back with new fresh of people. It just means that we have just decongested and let go of the toxic of the, of the heavy baggage and the load that we don't need in our life. And then the fresh water comes in. New wine, new skin. You can tell that this guy has gone crazy now. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> where did I stop before I got excited? <laughs> so, where is the hell in this equation? I don't understand. So, the Holy Spirit is not on your body. It's not on your soul. So, where is he? On your spirit. So that ceiling that you saw there, that you see in the Bible, is about your spirit. How many of you can feel your spirit? So that's why we receive, because you cannot feel your spirit, we receive the blessings and the word of God by faith. That's why it is called faith walk, so to say. The just shall live by faith in Christ Jesus. We exist. We manifest the blessings of God. We pray in tongues by faith. Because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I start. If I continue in that, I'll begin to hear the interpretation of what I've just spoken in tongues. I live by faith. Amen. So the Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When a person dies, don't you see their body, the cops? Don't you still see it behind? You still see it behind. But what makes the body to move? What makes the body to breathe? What makes the body to function? Is gone out of it, which is the spirit and a part of the soul. Make sense? So 
your sealing and your identification in Christ Jesus, your approval in Christ Jesus, has nothing to do with your behavior. I say that with caution. We'll come to that in the future because we're about to shut down. Has nothing to do with how you feel. Because God is not in your feelings. God is in your spirit. So that's why you don't wake up on Monday morning because you don't feel good. You think God is angry at you. Someone has deceived you. So never ever judge God's attitude towards you based on how you feel. Isn't it insane? You wake up in the morning and your husband frowns his face and you then think because he frowned his face in the morning it's because of something that you have done wrong. You may, somehow, but sometimes, but until you know what he's thinking in his mind, he may be having a wrong day. A rough day, sorry. Something wrong may have happened to you. He may have had a bad dream. He may, he may equally be hungry at you, but which you guys need to talk about it later on. But it is wrong for you to go on the bus and find someone frowning their face and uh, find, see a person frowning their face and you think they're hungry at you. Somebody, am I making any sense? It may not be the, ba- the best or the, be- the most perfect illustration here, but I'm trying to make a point here that you cannot use your feeling to judge a someone's thoughts towards you. Right? God has told you in his world that he's happy with you. He loves you. He predesigned that when you come in Christ Jesus, in front of him, how he sees you is, is that you're holy and blameless. So you woke up one morning and you just feel like, you don't feel like the world is, 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 is it was, it's crashing on you. Or your things are not working. Tax money is after you, which is your fault because you didn't pay your tax. Or some kind of things. Because of what seems to be crashing on you, many of which you, you are responsible for, you, you were not listening to the Holy Spirit and taking caution and be cautious in your conduct and your behavior. And you say, God, why me? Why is this happening to me? Lord, have mercy. Lord, what have I done? And these guys who are very skilled in manipulating people come in and say, ah, how old are you? 35. How old was your mother when she gave back to you? 25. Hmm. Well, how old was she when she left your father? 35. Ah, generational cost. Stupid man. He put two and two together and did a math for you, quick math for you and, say, and, and came up with generational cost. And generational cost. And then you, he, 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 he then prescribed to you some fasting and praying and some special seed and offering to come and so to break generational cost or some unnecessary vigil. Are we all right? So never use situations and circumstances or your feeling to judge God's attitude or heart towards you. The Bible says that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You belong to God. You say to yourself over and over, I am approved by God. I am God's property. Let's carry on. So I have it here. Now, if your body can feel bad, if your body, you've used your body for some, serious, some things you should not use them for, if you have thought or felt negative or you've even engaged the emotions of feelings of sin and you've committed sin, but you know the Holy Spirit is holy and he cannot participate in sin. So that tells us first of all that the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is not in your body, is not in your soul, is in your spirit, one. And secondly, your spirit does not participate in the sins you commit. So the Holy Spirit sitting Besides the fact that you are endorsed and stamped as God, property, or possession, it's also to keep you and protect you, your real self, your spirit. So that's why sometimes you are tempted to sin and something deep down is telling you don't do that. Or singing worship. Or praising God. You're thinking, I'm thinking evil here. Something deep down. You, 
I believe every genuine born-again Christian will have experienced this. And our duty is to train ourselves, our duty is to train ourselves to yield to our spirit and not to our mind, especially when it comes to doing something stupid. We should learn to yield to our spirit, our heart. Not your heart that is pumping blood, but the depth, the inner person, who is, which, who is forever holy, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, so that we can experience in our outward life the life of God. Many Christians today, many Christians today are not experiencing the best of God for their life because they are yielding to their feelings, external forces, their senses when it comes to making decisions or living their everyday life, they are not yielding to the Lord in their heart, the Holy Spirit in their heart. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you yield to the Spirit, you experience peace eventually. If you yield to your mind, to your senses, then you struggle, frustration, depression, anxiety, and that kind of stuff. Amen. So as I wrap up, verse 13 is, very, is, is, is heavily loaded. It shows you who you belong to. It shows you how God takes you very seriously. It shows you how God is careful about you. It shows you how God is intentional about your life. It shows you how God has secured you. It shows you that you have everything you need in God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Bible says you are sealed with the, heart, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Next week I'll go into verse 14 talking about who the Holy Spirit is, the guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I love that. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word that has come to us this morning. We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand that we are approved by you, that we belong to you, that you own us, that we are not inferior to you, and you want us to come to you to your throne of grace with all boldness so that we can find mercy, grace in time of need. And Lord, I pray for the church family this morning that what I've shared, what you have shared with us this morning, we become a reality in our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. That people may break out of the shackles of demons, of the devil, the shackles of religion, so, so that they can be confident to take their position as children of God. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. For I see yokes break in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bondage is broken in the name of the Lord Jesus. Prison doors open in the name of the Lord Jesus. People being free to become who you have called them to be and to do what you have called them to do. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God.